0: Welcome to the Vital Preacher, your weekly, we won an award one time podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm a actual pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California.
1: And I'm Zach Ferris, I'm the pastor of Lutheran Candles Ministry at the University of Colorado, Boulder. Matt, today we have a guest on the podcast. We do. We do.
0: We introduce our guest?
1: I will introduce our guest. Our guest is a human who i met in a little city that we like to call indianapolis some people call it indy one of the interesting things about indianapolis is there's no longer an open container law in downtown indianapolis they had the super bowl uh come and they they got rid of open container laws because what else are you going to do in indianapolis in january and uh they never put it back so you can get it to go cup when you go to a, a bar downtown there in uh center city in the Queen City? Is it like the third most famous Queen City? I think so. Uh, uh, our guest occupies a role with Lutheran uh, Campus Ministry uh, in the Twin Cities. Uh, she is the new Nate to me. Uh, I remember a Nate who occupied a similar role uh, in the in the past, uh, and now our guest uh, occupies it. And so we're excited to have a guest on the podcast today, Matt. To talk about things that we might not otherwise talk about, uh, they will provide, I think, a guest perspective uh, on music, on the Holy Scriptures brought to you by Theocon, uh, and perhaps uh, on uh, NBA Jam, local weather, uh, and uh, miscellaneous subjects. Our guest today is uh, Dana. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um yeah, my name is Dana rademacher Hansen. I work, I'm the new program person for Lutheran Campus Ministry Twin Cities.
1: Could you specify which Twin Cities those are? There are a number of Twin Cities.
2: Yes, yeah, St. Paul, Minneapolis, so Minnesota.
1: Mm, that sounds like three cities.
2: Yep, yep, They're
1: great. St. Paul,
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I work, we primarily work out of the University of Minnesota. And I just started there in January. I'm also a seminarian at the United uh, Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities, so it's a UCC school here locally, and I guess I'm on the podcast to talk about Lent and music because I created or helped create a, a playlist for the season.
1: Yes. How united would you say the seminary really is? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Oh. See, it's funny. I did just actually, I did my Lutheran year out at United Lutheran Seminary, and so now I'm at United Theological Seminary. And so the joke is that I just like my whatever, my resume is going to be very confusing cuz it's just full of United. <laughs> But um, the Missouri Synod will never
1: accept you because of your clear attraction to unionism.
2: Yes, Yeah. United all over the place. No, it's a cool story, though. We just moved um, into St. Paul from the suburbs. So they're doing really good public church kind of stuff.
0: Cool. I was just in the Twin Cities last weekend.
2: Really? For what?
0: So it it was a basketball training. Yes, primarily to see the Timberwolves play. Uh, And it was a training for the 2021 ELCA Youth Gathering that'll be there.
2: Oh, awesome, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I've never been to a youth gathering, and so I'm really excited to have it here where I live.
0: It is a lot of teenagers in color. (laughs)
2: That's what I've heard. I've heard it's very exhausting, um, but very, very fun. There's nothing you can compare it to. It's very... Yeah, very large.
0: Yeah, uh, I enjoy it. Um, I also enjoyed exploring uh, Minneapolis a little bit. So I got to go to the Timberwolves game, and then I did a DIY tour of these Prince sites, because apparently Prince, a thing in the Twin Cities, huh?
2: Yeah, a big thing. <laughs> I, so, I mean, like, obviously being from Minnesota, I listen to Prince and stuff, but when I moved, it was when I moved out of Minnesota, that's the only thing people can think of when you say <laughs> you're from the Twin Cities. They're like, oh, like, um, so you, you've met Prince, like you've been to Prince's home. And I'm like, no, that is not a regular thing. But yeah, we love Prince.
0: When I got back. So my church administrator is a diehard Prince fan. Like Mm -hmm. I had no idea until he died how much she loved Prince. And she was like, she was so excited by all the pictures I took. And then she was like, wait lake minnetonka is a real thing that's like a real place <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's like a, it's like a line in the movie i didn't know it was real i was like oh it's it's real
2: it's real people live there you can boat on it
0: <sighs> amazing uh and zach said you might talk about the weather when i was there it was like 30s and everyone was like it is beautiful this is amazing weather we're having just fantastic weather
2: and oh, i'm yeah. from los
0: angeles where 30s would be cold
2: Yeah, it was just 40s, in the 40s yesterday, and it was, like, summer. I mean, (laughs) I, like, I was outside without a jacket, just, it was the best weather, but honestly, I think people here need it, they, like, needed that, and especially as we're going into Lent, I mean, like, it was negative 20 just a few days before that, and so to go and be kind of, like, stuck in that cold like minnesotans we just need something to look forward to and so a 40 degree day in the middle of it like that's all we need and so everyone was in a good mood (laughs) like i went out and went to a few breweries and that kind of stuff and just grocery shopping and everyone yeah was in the best mood so i I love those days here in minnesota you don't get them often the weather was
1: so good you went grocery shopping
2: yeah i had to prep for my lenten practice of uh no single use plastic, so oh. had to get all that stuff. It's mm.
1: ambitious, Matt. Do you have a, a Lenten practice? Uh, survive space. <laughs> if I could survive Lent, I will have
0: practiced it.
1: Have I told you what yeah, my yeah. Lenten discipline is, Matt? Mm. My Lenten discipline is to drink every time someone says that's not what Lent is really about. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going? Uh, Lent hasn't started yet, but I'm drinking. No, oh, it's true. In, in this timeline, in the alternate timeline in which our listeners encounter this. Uh, it's going great. It's going great.
2: It will have started,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it already has started.
2: What is time?
1: Exactly. So, you made a playlist. Yeah, why, I did. Why? Why'd you make a Lenten playlist? Why are you stepping on our corner? <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's really why you're up. So <laughs> I will yourself. say I do not put as much planning into this playlist that you all do, like following the lectionary and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Mine let's was keep very... that
1: idea out there. We wanna get that. That's yeah. definitely the truth.
2: I'm definitely yeah, not as polished. Um but no, it started a few years ago and just during Holy Week I shared a song one song each day of Holy Week that kind of like represented the day. So it was just the the Thursday Um, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, and then you know that went great. People kind of engaged with it, liked it, and then I forgot about it. And the next year, my friend Megan said, "Hey, are you going to do that playlist thing again? Because I really liked it." And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't really do anything." And she's like, "No, you 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 shared these songs," and so I was like, "Okay," and so I she kind of put this idea in my head and then I just put it out on my social media. So on Facebook and Instagram, um, saying, Hey, I need some recommendations for songs to kind of bring me through Lent. Um, do you have any of your favorite songs about pain or about suffering or about renewing or, you know, turning around that kind of stuff? Um, songs about death just really like Lenten themes. I thought just a couple of people would respond. And I think I got like 50 or plus song recommendations to get added And it was really beautiful because it was a lot of friends who I hadn't connected with in a long time. And it was a lot of friends that are not Christian and are not Lutheran, but they connected to these songs anyway, like these themes that often like surpass this like Christian um, season anyway. I mean, like in in music can touch on those themes in a really beautiful way that I don't think anything else can. These feelings of pain and death and all that. And so... With all those recommendations, I kind of compiled them into a playlist. And then, again, this year I had friends saying, hey, are you going to do that again? I still listen to that or listened to that all last year. And so I just spent some time last night kind of prayerfully putting it all together again with new recommendations. It's been a really like special special practice for me, actually, putting that playlist together.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I'm just, I literally started looking at it. Uh, 20 minutes ago, but already I'm like I want to listen to like the diversity of voices. Uh, on this list just looks really looks really cool. I'm very excited to dive into it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like I mean I I listen to a lot of folk music, and so I mean that's very present on the on the playlist. But I think also like I don't know I had friends recommend stuff I would never put on there like Metallica or I don't know can't even think of other ones. But you know. Um, Khalid I wouldn't have put on there too so I got these recommendations and it kind of just worked out and then when those songs come up I think about those people so it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah I mean it starts with well-known folk singer Kendrick Lamar which is just <laughs> <Yeah>. man, <laughs> what a way to kick off WEDS.
2: No yeah I just thought it tied in really perfectly um, Sure. And but pretty much I selected maybe a fifth of the songs and the other ones are just from recommendations. So.
1: Very cool. What I find really remarkable about this, Matt, is that Dana made a playlist, and then people said, you should keep doing it. Uh, You know, that's just not, that seems really remarkable. I can't imagine what that would be like. (laughs) No
2: one says that to you?
1: Yeah, it's mostly like, you made a playlist. Maybe you should stop now.
2: You should (laughs) shut it down. You should just calm down a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, it's kind of nice to hear, because it kind of started from a... I don't know, I don't want to say selfish place, but a personal place, like Mm -hmm. I just wanted music to listen to kind of like during the season and a friend to kind of put that in my head and then it kind of grew to this thing that was much more, much larger than just for myself, which I think is really fascinating. And then friends, you know, messaging me saying like, this is what they look forward to in Lent or that they listen to it throughout the whole season. Like that's really special. And I don't know, I guess I would, I think it's cool because the recommendations I put on here are obviously like from my friends and from my family that's very specific I think type of music so I think it'd be interesting if it, if anyone you just put mm-hmm. the word out to your friends and family like what songs they would recommend and you can kind of curate your own specific um communal and playlist
1: what were the the building blocks what did you start with with your your playlist
2: what do you mean like songs or just like yeah. St- I don't remember what I, I know like what I did was I took all the recommendations. I put them all in a playlist first and then songs I wanted to add, like some mm-hmm. songs like about Ash Wednesday and things like that. Um, the Gunger song, I just love that song. So I, I put that in there and I just looked at the whole list and it was like 60 songs. I said, we well, have to pare this down. And so I would just, uh, Google their lyrics and listen to the song as I did that. And if it just really connected with me, I kept it. And if it didn't, I deleted it. There's not really a rhyme or a reason to it, except for at the end of the playlist, it gets more into Easter and like the three days kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. But. Were there some songs that you listened to and you said, mm, that's not really what Lent's about.
2: Mm, probably, but I can't remember what they were. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that though. Yes. Um, <laughs> especially because I wanted to make this you know, not a super worship song heavy playlist. That's pretty much what you find generally if you're looking for a Lenten playlist. And so sometimes folks did recommend just like what you would hear in worship. And so I want it to be a little bit different. And there are, I mean, there are a few pretty overtly Christian songs on there, but it's largely secular. And so I tried to pare that down as much as possible.
1: Cool. Where, uh, where can folks find the playlist?
2: you can find it on spotify and um, if you just search my name Dana rodemacher Hansen or for easier thing just type in 40 days a communal Lenten playlist and I also I just tweeted about it so you can follow me at uh, drad 1025 cool and find it there.
1: october 25th uh we'll share it uh, through our uh, our, sh- our our internet <laughs> wires as well so uh, awesome so, thank you so take a listen yeah. humans
2: yeah and thank you thank you for having me of course thank you for listening, if you do
0: so accompanied by this amazing playlist uh we are continuing further into the season of lent we're talking about the second sunday of lent today we're talking about these texts but uh god's grace is free but these texts are not so we need a sponsor zach Who's our sponsor this week?
1: That's right. The Holy Scriptures are brought to you this week by Theokon. Theokon is spelled with a theta instead of a Diphthong. For our fellow Greek nerds, pronounced Theokon. It combines two words, theology and convention. Theokon is a one-day convention at which participants will be introduced. Just for the record, Matt, I'd like to interject that this is the way that I read stories to my child at night, because I'm trying to get through them as quickly as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Which is not the approach I'm taking to this ad read. Uh, I'm enjoying it, but I'm, you know. Uh, Theocon is a one-day convention at which participants will be introduced and invited to explore themes of theology and morality in pop culture. Pop culture mediums include, but are not limited to, so there is some hope for us, Matt, comic books, graphic novels, gaming, art, literature, and sci-fi films. Not limited to, because I just want to be really clear, music is not one of the things listed, but it's not limited to um, I don't know where we stand with Theocon in terms of their, our, 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 our relationship on a, a real um, substantial level. Methods of exploration include guest speakers, panel discussions, exhibitions, reflection spaces, and cosplay. We are a diverse and inclusive environment welcoming people of all beliefs and non-belief, ages, races, ethnicities, and identities. You are welcome here. Go to the website Theocon.live and we are on Twitter at TheoCon. Live. Uh, be sure to use the non existent promo code TVP. Where is the music, please? Uh, Dana, have you registered for TheoCon? Everybody is talking about it.
2: You know, I haven't yet, but that ad reader is really.
1: It's pretty good, right? Have you been to Pittsburgh before?
2: No, I actually haven't. I lived in Philadelphia last year, but I didn't. I, I believe to the other what the
1: separates thing. the twin cities of Minnesota? A river? Yeah, one river. Pittsburgh has what we call them the biz, three rivers <laughs> all in one place. Uh, if you've never been to Pittsburgh, then we have a lot in common. <laughs> uh, but I really appreciate the consistency and the branding of the, uh, the professional sports teams. I like that they're all black and gold. I appreciate that a lot with the Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers. I appreciate that again, the consistencies. Um, so check it out. September nineteenth, prices go up soon. Music
0: not listed, though. Everyone is welcome. I'm still not sure if we're welcome. Well, I'm hoping by the end of Lent, we'll figure
1: it out. It'll this ongoing—it's the problem search. with the church, Matt. We put these signs up that say everyone is welcome, and then we welcome everybody except people who are interested at the intersection of theology and pop music. Uh, same old story. We're going to try to find out by the end of Lent if we're welcome. <laughs> this is going to be great. I have a feeling that when they hear the ad reads, we may not be as welcome as I initially thought. Oh, no. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they'll rescind the advice.
1: (laughs) Yes. They're going to (laughs) stop payment on the invisible check (laughs) they sent us. Oh, fantastic.
0: Theocon, check it out. Uh, And after you do, check out these texts, Second Sunday and Lent. We're still in Genesis. Still at the beginning. First reading, Genesis 12. Is this still... Peter Gabriel era Genesis, or are we in Phil Collins era yet? I think Philly C is
1: moving in, (laughs) moving in already in chapter 12. There's like 50 chapters. I guess you're right. It's Abram, so he hasn't changed to Abraham. I think, Matt, I want to pause it. I want to pause it. (laughs) It's it's Peter Gabriel until Abram becomes Abraham. And that is the moment in which Phil Collins is unleashed upon the creation. Yes.
2: And the
1: drum fellows happen. Yeah. Look up in the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And count them if you even can't.
0: Fantastic. Well, Genesis 12. Here it is. A reading from Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the
1: Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Word of God, word of life. Matt, you got me all excited last week about how we were going to get so many narratives. We we're going to get stories in the Old Testament, stories in the in the Gospel. Yeah. And we, you don't like this one? Oh, it's a clunker.
0: It's not a story. It's like it's up your alley. It's basically the start of a road trip. It's a start, yeah. yeah. Of course it's a start. It leaves so much to the imagination. You want more action. This is too much dialogue. Too much,
1: too much monologue. There's not dialogue here. <laughs>
0: too much monologue.
1: It's true. It's just, that's the worst part of the, the show. It's just like Yahweh came out for the opening bit.
0: Yeah, this is the opening scene. I and mean, it goes to credits.
1: It's great. <laughs> it goes to credits? <laughs> not credits what's the little opening uh yeah yeah it's the mantra i'm saying let's go ahead let's get to the bits and get to the guests because that's what i came to to late night for right yeah i want to see the stars you like that That's it's a multi-level wow there you mm-hmm. go
0: zach zach is down on this text. dana what do you think about this text do you like it <laughs>
2: I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do kind of agree. It's a lot out of all of the stories in Genesis that are really so rich with family drama, family history. Um, it is kind of just God talking about what will go happen next and what's in store. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: You're the big believer in it, Matt. What do you got? Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I don't know what I got, but I love it. Just shows up. God talks to this guy. He's just
1: like you just go through your context? country do you have context on this man uh, i don't know <laughs>
0: what, what, what is this a professional lectionary podcast like
1: <laughs> gosh i don't know we're uh, really leaning into the music this week that's
0: really it's really our emphasis uh no this is the this is the pericope
1: no like this is oh my goodness Abram's still in ur hasn't made the trip yet no right that's yeah. gotta be it yeah um, yeah, he hasn't done anything yet. I like that. I mean, I guess it would—I would put it the first week. But if it's hard to put something chronologically ahead of Adam and Eve, because that's what it was last week—was Adam and Eve Garden of Eden, snakes and stuff—and they're kicked out of the garden. Interesting. Maybe that's just—I don't know. Lent, you know, is enough of a season. I think you can connect things and play with things. That last week, there's some juxtaposition here. Uh, which you're in the middle of seminary, Dana. I'm sure you know it. If you don't know what word to use in a seminary paper, you use the word juxtaposition or dichotomous or ontological. It's one of the three money words that's always right. And you get nay. Yeah, immediately. Uh, There's juxtaposition here. The beginning of a journey happened last week, uh, which had much more of a downer vibe of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. We're here. You're at the beginning of a new journey, beginning of the road trip, like Matt said. Uh, that certainly seems to be much, much more positive.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, so here's the I just did a quick search on context because that's how much research I do to prepare for this podcast. But you're willing we to just, do, do just it, man, even if you have to we do it during just, the podcast. So basically what we get at the beginning of Genesis, we get the Adam and Eve bit and then we get Noah's Ark. God goes and speaks to this one dude, Noah. Uh, and there's that whole story. And then uh, and then there's a bunch of genealogies. And then there's the Tower of Babel and then there's another genealogy. And then God speaks to Abram. So Abram is one of the few like individual humans that the Bible talks like it's one of the he's one of the first that God actually speaks directly to this one person that at least is recorded. Maybe there were other stories and for all these other people. But it seemed like generations and generations just passed without much happening. Maybe it's just not recorded. But I think it's significant that like, I don't know, there's just these big gaps. And then all of a sudden God's going to speak to this one dude and say, hey, go from your country and your kindred this is pretty like limited information it's a promise and it's a powerful promise but it's pretty short on the details and i think that's the piece that's going to be most relevant when we get to nicodemus because nicodemus is all confused he is like i do not understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about that in a second but i think that that space of um of mystery and of being a little bit frustrated about that mystery um, but willing to kind of go along and seek things out and take that next step anyway, uh, is what Abram ends up doing. I mean, it's a pretty powerful thing. that just speaks out of nowhere, gives Abram pretty scant instructions. Um, and Abram's like, all right, here we go into the unknown. Cue the frozen two theme song.
1: I, I like the tower of Babel setup, Matt. Um, I think that gives it a little more more force, a little more oomph for me, um, that, that it is in the midst of this chaos. There's nothing that really, narratively, nothing happens between this story, uh, these words of Yahweh, and the Tower of Babel, uh, which is, you know, chaos. If you remember from last week, I felt a little... Chaotic about the text. I was I'm still not sure what to make of the real Adam and Eve story. I'm not okay. sure of which way's up or down. And you can get into we talked about maybe uh telling the story from the perspective of Eve and not being sure like who's telling you the truth, uh, and stuff, right? There's this this just disorganized chaos and not knowing of not knowing, being turned around. Who's, What's that? Who's telling you the truth? Right? Does the Bible have an unreliable narrator? Yeah. Yeah, the Bible does have an unreliable narrator, it turns out. Um, unreliable
2: authors? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so in the midst of that, you get this massive—I mean, that's the thing about the Abrahamic promises, is they are massive. But they, they're the kind of promise that I would make if I were a Yahweh, um, because it would be a big-picture promise, and it's going to be cosmic and very big. And people would say, well— Yahweh, Zach. How is this going to happen to me? And you'd be like, "It's definitely going to happen. Definitely going to happen." And they're like, "Well, what kind of like small steps? My, is there any incremental change that'll happen between now and then?" Probably. Uh, details aren't exactly my specialty, uh, but big picture promises—that's my spiritual gift. And
0: then you'll take so long to get to it that they'll like ask you again, mm-hmm. and then you'll keep it for a while. So they'll try to figure it out on their own, and you're like, "No, no, no. That's not what I was thinking."
1: Yeah. And to buy it by time I'll kinda of double down again and again, Like, no no no. Even bigger. <laughs> yeah. Even bigger. And then I'll pull something out of my ass at the end. It'll be fine. Uh, but that's like that's part of the ridiculousness of the promise um that is leading us toward Lent, towards Lent is that that the this I mean this sets up a pattern that's gonna happen with Abraham over and over again is you have this very real chaos um And God speaks really remarkable, unbelievable promise into those spaces.
0: Cool. Well, one of us liked it.
2: Not that I did not like it. But I think what you're just talking about with, like, this cosmic, I mean, like, larger-than-life promise, I mean, like, I don't know, we'll get to it, too, but it's kind of what at the end of the John reading, too. Like, God so loved the world, and that's a really big promise.
1: Cosmos, um, yeah.
2: And it's very confusing to the characters in the text we'll get to. And I think it's, I like to think of maybe, like, what was what was going on in actually, in Abram's head as he's hearing this, right? Because um, that's a really, like, kind of ridiculous, big thing to hear. You can't even conceptualize it. Um, I guess I always like, try to do that with Bible characters and see if I were in their shoes, how I would react to it, and I would be so confused.
1: Yeah, world, we're gonna get to it. World, not a not a great translation because it's cosmos. Right. Um, yeah. God so loved the cosmos. Well, let's. Which is
0: why Baby there, Yoda needs to, go. to be
1: baptized.
0: Oh my gosh, we're not having that discussion again.
2: (laughs) I haven't watched it, so it's fine.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, We're going to skip Romans because we never talk about the epistle. We'll go straight to the gospel according to St. John, chapter 3, 1 to 17.
1: There was uh, a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a leader of the Judeans. Again, this is only chapter 3. He came to Jesus by night. Uh, under the cover of darkness. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that your teachers come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Verily, very truly, I tell you, no one, oh, here it is, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, which doesn't make any damn sense. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? I did see a Spanish-language art film as an undergraduate that explored this question uh, on a disturbing amount of detail, uh, but I don't think it applies here. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, and so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we have seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. If I told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And no one has ascended to heaven except The one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, snakes on a wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God, here you go, so loved the cosmos that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Cosmos, Cosmos there, that the universe might be saved through
0: him. Why does it matter that it's Cosmos?
1: Uh, You know, the difference is that we are aware, most of us are aware, shout out to all our Flat Earth listeners, that there is something beyond this planet. That was not the case at the time. It uh, exactly, was not exactly the case at the time. And so cosmos uh, makes this promise much more grand than just for the earth, uh, which we know to be a tiny speck in this infinite, nearly infinite uh, plane of existence. Uh, but God here in John is interested in that whole daggone plane of existence.
2: Yeah, I like it too, because I think it makes it less human centric, which I think mm-hmm. sometimes is how this text is used. But it's something that's it's greater than humans. It's greater than the earth that we inhabit. I mean, it's um, it's far grander. And I think it's interesting that the, that John plays into this um, early, like especially opens up our eyes for Lent. Like, what is repentance, and what is I mean, what are we returning to? All that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's just really present in that translation.
0: Yeah opens up our eyes for a lens and he even talks about sight here yeah well I love this text uh, because I think it's so dramatic that he comes to Jesus by night I mean we can think of we can theorize all these different reasons why he did that and it's worth doing some historical study of reasons why this leader of the Judeans might do that but what a dramatic just visually thing that that he comes at night to Jesus and that John thinks that's important enough uh, to situate this story at a particular time of day. Um, I just think that's cool.
1: I wonder, Matt, I was a little frustrated last week that I, I couldn't come up with the answer to the text. One of the questions we normally ask Dana is, like, what's the good news mm. in the text? And we had temptation of Jesus in the in the wilderness. And we wrestle. I don't know that I wasn't super satisfied with where we got, um... I think that is a really helpful question to steer preaching so that it's not, you know, telling people what to do and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder if during Lent, if we're going to believe in this mystagogical stuff, the idea that Lent is this preparation for leading us into an Easter and experience with the mystery, um, I find this text just as as confusing as last week, Uh, more so. Right, like I don't. The questions back and forth, I don't have answers to. Um, I don't know that I could very clearly tell you what that means. Uh, but perhaps a, a tack to take would be that these stories that don't make a lot of sense, even when we like, like Adam and Eve last week, where we we know the shorthand versions of them that have the explanations built in. When we really go into the the text itself, brought to you by Theokon, they turn us upside down and they disorient us and they draw us deeper into the mystery of easter is that a good bs way out of trying to like do the work
0: (laughs) yeah so one of the other like so one question that i sometimes try to ask and wrestle with is what's the good news and the other one is like what's the question what's a question that arises out of this text like what's the what's the most powerful question that that sits with me and the one that I'm going to be using for preaching is, what, what keeps you up at night? If Nicodemus is up at night to go talk to Jesus, what is it that keeps you up at night? What are you lying in the wake, staring at the ceiling? What are you thinking about? Um, what's that question for you? Yeah. Uh, because Nicodemus is searching for something. And they, and you're right, Like he doesn't get this like really easy, satisfying answer. <laughs> right? He gets some really uh, windy words that are... Kind of poetic in places and Mm -hmm. probably frustrating to him at the
1: end of the day. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't get the tone with which I read it, because it's how I read it, at least on first reading, is that Jesus is like frustrated with Nicodemus. (laughs) But I also want to be like, dude, this is the beginning of chapter three. Like what? Like (laughs) like he's going to get it. Yeah. Who does anybody get? Is it who is this far along two chapters in?
2: You know, I was thinking about that as I read this too I mean again trying to I think maybe as whatever Christians especially in seminary like we all want to try to find the answers and try to find the best answers and there's probably one true answer and we have to find it like that's kind of this idea typically that's how it is yeah you know in academia but I love this because it makes us again like who am I in the story I'm probably not the people that Jesus is talking about that like knows all of this right like I'm not Jesus who is sputtering off this really awesome like really confusing stuff um, I'm honestly Nicodemus who's very confused by what Jesus is saying um, and so when I read that I was like Jesus is yelling at me and at Nicodemus for like not getting this kind of um, and you me read into like why? why is Jesus so frustrated by that like, are you a teacher? And he kind of seems like he took it personally, that um, he like, wouldn't understand these things.
1: Perhaps part of the, the frustration could be because it is the beginning. Uh, I'm reminded, this text reminds me of Bartimaeus, uh, which is not in John, but, you know, who cares? You're a preacher. Um, who's the blind man at the side of the road, the son of Timaeus, uh, who sees Jesus. Who's the first person, like in Mark? I think it is to see Jesus, and the first person to see Jesus is the one who's blind, um, and that this is this is, I believe so. I believe it's it's Jesus' real kind of first experience with someone in this world that it that it almost seems like he's been dropped into, and that he's got to do some work of figuring out what the work is. That maybe he approaches this whole thing with the sin, like, like if if how I would my quote unquote answer to the reading right would be that. You know, to see, the way Jesus is talking about seeing, is to be made blind, um, which is a totally upside-down, backwards thing to do. And perhaps Jesus is starting with, oh, that's how sight works. To see, you can't see. And that's not at all how the rest of the world, uh, this world that he's been dropped into, works.
0: I mean, I wonder what else his tone could be. Like, what if... What if it's a sympathetic tone? Like, what if it's like, what if, what if you preceded? each of these words with like, yeah, I know it's really hard. Like, <laughs> Jesus answered, him, yeah, I know it's really hard. Like, like you can't see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Like, it's. I mean, I, I get it. It's rough. I hear it's you saying,
1: how can I one be it. born again?
0: <laughs> this is a huge, it's a huge thing. Like what if part of what Jesus is doing is trying to acknowledge how big it is. I mean, we talked about yeah. the cosmos earlier and it, it reminds me, I want to mention at one point, before we left uh and advise folks to go and find martin luther king jr's uh words about this text he brings it in to say Mm -hmm. no it's not like this one little piece or this one little piece it's one little piece the whole structure of society has to be changed right like this is what it means to be born again you can't just like fix this one part of your life or this one little thing or like the whole thing has to be born again um and that's this like i actually think it relates um it relates to everything that we've been talking about. I mean, it's, it's it's so much bigger than than this one little piece, right? And that can be both overwhelming, but maybe it's also like, yeah, you're you're not going to figure it out on your own. You know, like you're not going to figure it out here in this moment by yourself, get the whole thing figured out. You're not. Um, but there's a, you know, I don't know if that's helpful.
1: Yeah, part of what he could be like, who, who knows if Jesus really intended to teach Nicodemus? Perhaps, right, an outcome would be that Nicodemus would go back to the authorities and be like, and that Jesus is trying to communicate: No, you can't, you can't be an authority during the day and then come hang out with us at night. Uh, this is a cosmos scaled thing. Uh, you can't half step your way into this. The kingdom is not going to come in half steps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It gets to back to that grand scale of Abraham, Abram. Excuse me
2: really freeing though that we can't like question our way into faith or to being reborn right like you can't just you know with your mind think it through like it's something that kind of faith in general is something you have to like live into and practice and it's not just an immediate turnaround thing and I think least like, for me that resonates with me a lot um, yeah
0: Cool.
1: yeah and it it
0: ties back to verse eight
1: um so uh one of the things that we do here dana at the end of the podcast uh that might be familiar to you is we take uh we first we answer all possible questions solve tease out any mystery ring it out so there's yeah. no mystery left in the text uh and then we make a playlist <laughs> so matt what are you listening to this week what am i listening to well
0: my goodness i'm gonna tie it to what i was gonna say about verse eight (laughs) which is that the wind uh blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit and that's That is the life of faith. It's not this clear uh, plan. Everything's set in stone. You kind of have to be able to go with a little bit, maybe only get this one little piece of the picture and keep moving forward. That line inspired a song by one of my favorite bands that I never put on the playlist. Uh, U2's Mysterious Waves.
1: (laughs) U2's
0: uh, Mysterious Waves from 1991's Aksong Baby, uh, actually inspired by this verse right here. She Moves in Mysterious Ways, a song about the Holy Spirit. Um, and then uh, thinking about Nicodemus, it's just an all YouTube playlist this week. I drove through Joshua Tree National Park a couple weeks ago to prepare for Lent, drove out into the wilderness to see the Joshua Trees, and I listened to the album the entire time. My wife deeply appreciated it. No, she is. fine. Uh, and so I listened to uh, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which I think is a theme song for Nicodemus as well. You're welcome. It's only the 500th time I put that song on the <laughs> list on this podcast. <laughs> and then finally, uh, if we're trying to find something uh, like in that song, uh, maybe sometimes the good news is that ultimately we will be found. And so I'll put you will be found from uh, uh, that musical. And the song is performed by Ben Platt.
1: Cool. Matt, uh, John Legend really getting into Lint this year. I don't know if you know this uh, just released a new single uh, perfect for Lent because John Legend big fan of the podcast uh, you probably missed the episode where he came on because we haven't recorded it yet Uh, but he's got a new single called Conversations in the Dark Matt lyrically it takes a little work Talk. Let's have conversations in the dark. World is sleeping, I'm awake with you. With you, Watch movies that we've all already seen. I ain't even looking at the screen. It's true. The chorus is Got about uh, I Love You As You Are which at first 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 listen doesn't it sound exactly like a Lent song might because we're talking about repentance and change and all that kind of stuff um, but I think I think it works I think it works it's a pretty song maybe not the most poppy song uh, but Matt before before in the pre-roll here before Dana came in the podcast we were both looking at, the, at, the, at your playlist together uh, and we got uh, we were a little excited about all the bands on there that we really enjoyed uh, one of the ones I enjoyed uh, is the most uh, emo-y band you could do. So you need a good emo-y song, you know, during Lent. Um, so you gotta put Death Cat's, uh I'll Follow You Into the Dark. Uh, right?
0: Tunnels to gaze
1: I away. was such a young adult and so emo into that song at one point in my life.
2: You know,
0: I learned to play that on the guitar at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Oh,
2: that's awesome. I literally... I just tweeted the other day that Lent is the church season for us old emo kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right, <laughs> it fits so perfectly.
1: Death Cab had a comeback y thing, right? When they uh, it didn't work out very well. When they, yeah, I don't uh, think so. Chance the Rapper had them on the or is that, yeah, that was Death Cab for Cutie, right? Uh, last one, open your eyes, Snow Patrol. Feels like it's gonna be a Coldplay song. Which isn't exactly a compliment. It's not that bad. <laughs> Sorry. All I like Coldplay. This feels <laughs> strange and, untrue, and I won't waste a
0: minute without you. And so old, the anger swells in my guts, and I won't feel these slices and cuts.
1: Patrol from the perspective of Jesus. Dana, are you going to make any ads to your Lenten playlist for Lent to Ah this year?
2: I okay. So this is one that's on my Lenten playlist, but I mean, like we kind of talked about. I when I first read this text, I was really drawn to Nicodemus coming in at the night and what that means. And there's a really great song. Um, by Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys, um, called When the Night Comes. And it kind of sets this almost like dreamlike um tone um, or vibe for like what happens at the nighttime. Um, and there's really great stuff about don't be afraid. And I was kind of just thinking about um, these like dreamlike qualities of night and what that means that Nicodemus went to go see Jesus at that time. So When the Night Comes. Nice love it
0: well thank you for all these amazing lenten songs that you're gifting us with through this playlist
2: yeah no thank you you're welcome and thanks everyone that helped put it together and if you have recommendations to add to it you know we can make it bigger
1: find dana on the social internet we'll share uh dana's stuff on our stuff And don't forget to register for Theocom with promo code org, That's D-O-T-O-R-G. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Anytime.
1: It's been real. You get to say this part, Dana?
2: Vinyl.